Uh, scripture for today's sermon is, um, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth, which makes us free. We pray that your spirit would continue, that worship would continue as Brandon comes up to speak. We ask that you would speak through him. We ask that our ears would be open to hear and our hearts soft to receive, and that you would do your work in this church. In Christ's name, amen. Some of you may have thought that last week we were done with the book of James, that we were wrapping this whole thing up, and, uh, but it turns out that we actually skipped a couple of verses along the way, and I, uh, I made the mistake of, of uh, mentioning that to Ryan. So uh, here, here I am. No, we, uh, the truth is we, we had to skip them. It made sense to skip them for scheduling reasons. Um, but when we looked at these verses we saw a biblical truth that we felt is so important for, for us as a body to hear. And so uh, we decided to, to go back and, and cover them as well. And I'd like to start by just kind of uh, sharing with you a, a personal story. Uh, several years ago, uh, a friend of mine, um, he was having some difficulties. He was meeting with the elders of a church that I was attending at that time. And he, he asked me if I would, I would accompany him to one of his meetings with the elders to kind of go along for moral support. And uh, I, I agreed to do that. And uh, without really giving you any specifics about what happened, let's just say that it, it really didn't go very well. In fact, that meeting kind of ended with, with my friend and, and one of these elders just kind of yelling at each other, and, and everyone left kind of angry and frustrated. And um, afterward, I was, I was kind of disillusioned about the whole process. I was, I was disillusioned about this idea of church discipline and this idea of elder leadership. I, w- I was kind of disillusioned with the church as a whole. And so it was obvious what needed to be done. I needed to go and gossip about everyone involved behind their backs. Right, but, but I didn't call it gossip, right? I, I was venting my frustration. I was seeking godly advice, or I was, I was asking people to pray. Uh, that's what I was doing. But no matter how much I sought out prayer and advice or how much I vented, I just kept getting angrier and angrier. And finally, I was, I was talking to uh, yet another person about what was going on. Uh, he's, a, he's a man who's now actually an elder at this church. And uh, I was, I was all, only a little ways into my story before he stopped me. And he gently said, he's like, Brandon, I think maybe you need to think about what you're doing right now. See, I was, I was talking to everyone except the, the one person, this one particular elder that I was so upset with. And my friend, he, he reminded me that this, this man is not only a fellow believer, 
a fellow Christian, but he was also a leader of the church, uh, someone that I was supposedly under the leadership of. And, and in this discussion, I began to realize that in my desire to stand by my friend, that I had really allowed it to become this kind of self-righteous condemnation of another believer who was doing what? He was trying to minister to my friend as well. And in that moment, I knew, I knew what Scripture told me to do, that I needed to go and talk to this man directly. So I humbled myself and, and I gave him a phone call. And, and on that call, I, I confessed to him. I said, you know, I, I've been damaging your reputation in conversations with others. And, and I think that in doing so, I've also damaged the reputation of the church uh, as a whole. And I asked for his forgiveness and, and he graciously gave it to me. And then, and then from that, we were able to talk about my friend and, his, and, and what was going on. And I, I told him things that he didn't know, and he told me things that I didn't know. And, and I really believe that God used me in that situation to, to affect things in a positive way. But here's the, here's the truth. I came awfully close to letting myself come to hate that man. I came... I came awfully close to convincing myself that I needed to leave that church. And I don't want to overstate my own importance in the world, but I feel like Satan was trying to use me to create division in the church. I just wanted to help my friend, and I wanted to see the situation improve. But the way I was going about it was really doing more harm than good. But once I tried it God's way, things were just so much better. And, and the, the kind of irony of the whole thing is that that church and that, that elder in particular have had a profound impact on my development as a Christian and as an elder and as a pastor. And that's what today's text is kind of about. It's about gossip. See, James, he's already kind of dealt with uh, the need for us to tame the tongue, but here he gets a little more granular. He gets a little more specific. Here he's addressing our tendency, for whatever reason, to talk critically about people behind their backs. This is a continuation of, of the discussion James is having about what causes quarrels and fights among the people in the church. That's our context. See, God, God intends for His church to be a place of sanctuary. We desire for this place to be a safe place where people can come just as they are. A place where we don't have to put on masks and, and pretend that we're perfect. A, a place where we have the freedom to acknowledge that we are broken and that we need fixing a place where we can rest in the accomplished work of Jesus Christ and a place where we can grow as the Holy Spirit patiently brings us through a lifelong sanctification process through discipling relationships. That's what we desire, and that's what's at stake here. And frankly, I can think of very, very few things that are more likely to destroy that 
than this idea of gossiping. When we speak evil against one another, we affect the peace and the purity of the church. And I truly believe that, it, that left unchecked, gossip will kill a church. This morning, I, I want to look at how we can ensure that, that our church, New City Church, is a safe place where God's people can thrive and where we can take the gospel out into the community. And I'd like to begin just by reading that text again. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Brothers. We're talking about the church, believers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So this is where we're going to go this morning. First, we're, we're going to look at exactly what James means when he says, do not speak evil against one another. And then I think we'll poke around a little bit in some other scriptures and see if maybe James is just making too big of a fuss about it. And then finally, we'll, we'll stop and we'll see what scripture might suggest would be an alternative to gossip. So let's get started. What is gossip? I'm convinced that James is talking about gossip when he says that we should not speak evil against one another. Many of you may have translations that use the word slander, but I think that gossip is, is a better word. There, there's a Greek word here uh, that's being translated. It, it, kind of ironically, it's a tongue twister. Um, it's katalaleo. The root word of this means to prattle on. It's kind of talk and talk and talk, right? But the prefix kata, that means that it's being done with hostile intent. The Scottish theologian William Barclay, he, he wrote about this word. This is what he said. <laughs> Katalalia is the sin of those who meet in corners and gather in little groups and pass on confidential tidbits of information which destroy the good name of those who are not there to defend themselves. See, James, when he says speaking evil against one another, he's not talking about insulting people to their faces or, or using bad language or teasing one another or bullying or arguing. All of those things are bad enough just by themselves. Those are all sinful things, but that is not what James is talking about right here. And, and the reason why I think that gossip is a better word than slander is that katalaleo does not necessarily mean that what is being said is false. It could be true. Gossip is often true, but it's still hurtful. It's still damaging. And, and think about it. If we instinctively know that what we're saying needs to be hidden from the person we're talking about, that should really tell us that what we're saying is maybe not actually appropriate. 
course, we try to flip that on its face, right? I mean, have you ever heard someone say, I'm not saying anything that I wouldn't say to their face? Well, I have a couple of problems with that logic. First, baloney. Right? It's baloney. People say this, oh, I would, I would say this to their face, and then they say something, and you're like, you would never say that to their face. And if you did, it would hurt them so deeply. And second, just because you're bold enough to say something rude to somebody doesn't make it okay for you to spread it around. What I'd like to propose this morning is, is maybe a better standard, right? For, for determining what is said about others. Instead of, is it true, or would I say this in front of them? What, what if we use this standard? Is what we want to say building the person up in the eyes of others? Or, or kind of using James, uh, James' wording, we could say, are we, are we using our tongue to bless them rather than curse them? Remember, Pastor Ryan preached Uh, a few weeks ago about the tongue. And in James 3, it says this, no human being can tame the tongue. It It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Brothers, these things ought not to be so. You may remember a few weeks ago I preached on what James called the royal law, which is, which is the second part of the greatest commandment, that we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. This is what, Jesus, this is what James is talking about when he says that, that we speak evil of one another, we are actually speaking evil against the law. See, when, we, when we're gossiping, we're, we're showing a disregard for the law because we are, we're breaking it in that moment. We are not loving our neighbor as we are loving ourselves when we're talking about them behind their back. And, and frankly, this is, this is the prime violation of the golden rule, right? Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 7, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So speaking evil against one another is any time that we're saying anything negative or unhelpful about a person, and especially when we do it behind their back. So this is using the tongue to curse others. This is not treating folks the way we want to be treated. This is not loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. But you might be saying, What's the big deal? And I feel like for the past couple of minutes, maybe I've just been being a little bit harsh. So, so let's pause for just a moment and let me say this. I, I'm a recovering gossiper myself. And I'm very much preaching this sermon to myself. I know for many of us, we fall into this trap of, of gossiping and it's born of a genuine frustration. We look around and we see that the world is not the way that it's supposed to be, and people are not doing things the way that that we think that they should be doing them. 
And at the root of the matter is a, is a genuine desire to see righteousness in the world. But I think it's also true that we often do this out of fear. Fear that, that maybe we're not good enough. And so we, we give in to the temptation to tear others down so that we feel and look better in comparison. I think sometimes some of us are just jealous and that we, we gossip and speak poorly about those who we see as rivals for the attention of others. But whatever our motivations are, the, the reality of it is that James is not making too big a deal out of this. James is not blowing this out of proportion. If we look at other scriptures, we'll, we'll see how others have dealt with it. The, the Apostle Paul talks about it. In, in Corinthians, he inserts it into a list of things that, um, that he says, I, I, I hope I don't see these things in your church. In 2 Corinthians 12.20, I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. This list has the word slander and the word gossip in it. And, and the word translated as slander is our word. That's kata laleo. The other word literally means uh, stories told in hushed whispers. So whether your gossip is done kind of boldly or if it's done kind of quietly, Paul sees them both just as bad as jealousy, anger, and open hostility. What he's saying is that gossip is one of the marks of a truly unhealthy church. And this isn't the first time that Paul mentions gossip in a list. It's also included in his description of, of what it's like before we come to know Jesus. In, in Romans 1, verses 29, he says, um, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. They're disobedient to their parents. They're, they're foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And though they know that God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Slanderers. That's kata lalos. Those who gossip boldly. And again, right next to it, those who tell tales in hushed whispers. These are people who are listed right alongside people who hate God. They're listed right beside people who murder other people. The psalmist in Psalm 101 captures God's own words. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Yikes. 
God really hates this idea of gossiping. James is not blowing this out of proportion. Why is such a seemingly small thing such a big deal to God? Well, I think the Apostle Peter gives us a little bit of insight. Uh, I kind of mashed together a few verses here to, to, for time's sake, but here, let, let me read it to you. This is from 1 Peter 2, verses 1, 5, and 9. Put away all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy and envy, and all slander. That's our Laleo again. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter is saying that malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy, along with gossip, they stand in the way of God building his kingdom here. The sin of gossip holds us back from proclaiming the excellency of Jesus. That's a big deal. But I think that Satan wants us to think it's not a big deal. In Scripture again and again and again, it just tells us the opposite. Gossip is destructive and harmful, not only to the person that we're gossiping about, the victim, but to our mission to proclaim the gospel and to see his kingdom come. How does gossip mess things up so much? Uh, I think if you, if you stop and think about it, it becomes kind of obvious, right? Because even if that person never knows that they're being talked about, the, the people who are doing the talking know that they're being talked about. And that leads us to not feel safe. A couple of weeks ago, Ryan preached in James 5, right, that, that we need to confess our sin one to another. Why? So that we may be healed. But who's ever going to feel safe enough to do that if they know it's just going to be talked about behind their back? If we're not confessing, then nobody's getting healed. And then how are those who do not yet know Jesus Christ? How are they ever going to see the power of the gospel to change their lives? Do you see how insidious this is? No wonder God wants to destroy Katalalos. For years and years, I was a part of a beautiful ministry called Celebrate Recovery. It's an anonymous 12-step ministry, and we all only knew each other's first names. And every single week, they talk about the need for anonymity and confidentiality. Because what we were doing is we were creating a safe place where people could come and recover from their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It was literally James 5 put into practice. People confessing their sin one to another, and then we all watched in amazement as God brought healing. I was a leader of this ministry for years and years. 
But over and over, I, I heard the same thing. Over and over. And it broke my heart. Because people said I could never do this at church. I could never do this at church. And frankly, I'm determined that New City Church will be a place where people feel safe enough to find their way to God's healing. All right, so how do we, how do, we do that? What, what can we do? James is making a link here between gossip and judging others. He's saying that they're the same thing. Manford Gutsky, uh, he said this, when a Christian begins to speak about anyone to the hurt of that person, he has actually judged that person as unworthy of help or support. I think he's right. But, but, but James kind of says, look, when Christians gossip, it, it takes on an even worse aspect. See, we begin to use God's law to defame people. Do you remember in our last sermon series we did on the, on the Ten Commandments, we talked about the, the three valid uses of the law. You know, first it's a mirror. We, we look into the law and it reflects kind of back how sinful we are and it, it moves us towards Jesus. It's also a curb, right? It brings conviction. As we encounter the Word, we're convicted about our sin, and, and it restrains our sinful behavior. But it's also a guide. There's so much wisdom in the Bible about how to lead the victorious Christian life. You know what it's not? It's not a measuring stick. The, the Word of God is never to be used to to, to measure other people so that we can compare ourselves to them. And we certainly don't use it to measure people to see how worthy they are. See, it's pointless to use the law that way because no one will ever be justified through the law. Everyone falls short of it. We've all fallen short. And Paul tells us that, that if we try to use the law this way, that we only bring condemnation upon ourselves. In Romans 2, he says, therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. James reminds us we're not called to judge one another because there's only one judge. He who is able to save and destroy. He's echoing uh, Jesus' own words in Matthew 10.28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You see, one of the, the biggest problems about gossiping and judging others is that it's not our job to make people perfect. For all our complaining and all of our criticizing, people are not going to come into line. They're not going to become who we want them to be anyway. So why would we bother? There is someone whose job it is, right? Jesus Christ. Jesus, who was above the law, right? Jesus is God. He, 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 he wasn't being held to the law, and yet uh, 
he, he made himself subject to the law when he saw that we were estranged from God because we had broken it. He took on the form of a, of a man and he placed himself under the law that he gave. And then he lived a perfect life where he never once transgressed that law. He's the only one who can judge others without condemning himself. And yet, because of his love for us, he made the ultimate sacrifice and he died on that cross and he paid the penalty that we deserve for the sin of breaking the law. And then he rose again from the dead, conquering death, which is the penalty. And now, where is he? He's in heaven. He's seated on the throne. He's at the right hand of God the Father. He is the only one who gets to judge. And he is the only one who brings change. Romans 8.28 tells us, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those who He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. See, if you believe in Jesus then you believe that when He comes back, we will be glorified with Him for all eternity. And in the meantime, we believe that through His Holy Spirit, we are being conformed more and more, day by day, little by little, into His image. We are not Jesus. We do not have the power to save or to destroy So why are we judging others by talking about all of their imperfections behind their back? Who are we to judge our neighbor? We're called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So if we want to see change in people, what we need to do is humble ourselves by reminding ourselves that there is only one judge of the universe, and we are not him. I think there's two ways that we can be humble in speech. First, we can humbly recuse ourselves as judge. Right? When when someone comes to us and they want to gossip, right? We don't have to do that. We can stop and remember that only Jesus is the judge. And then we just humbly refuse to act like one. So I like to do this if someone tries to start gossiping, I like to say, hmm, it it seems like you might have a problem with this person. Have you tried talking to them directly about it? But if you don't want to be so pastor aggressive, then uh, you could maybe try changing the subject. Say, oh, you want to talk about Kevin? I love Kevin so much. He's such a great singer. I could never say anything bad about him. Or maybe you just end the conversation. You don't have to do it. So, I have a root canal. I just remembered. (laughs) See ya. 
Sometimes, though, we're the one who's tempted to gossip, and, uh, and it's often because of conflict that exists, something we're dissatisfied about. And, and I would say this, that uh, the remedy for that is to humbly submit to Jesus' teaching and resolve conflict biblically. If the conflict is just kind of no big deal, if you think about it and you're like, I don't even know why I'm upset about this, I don't care, then, then maybe you just turn the other cheek, right? Just graciously let the matter go. It doesn't matter. But, it, but if it's something important, if it's something that needs to be addressed, that needs to be resolved, and you realize that, that the problem is you, that somebody actually has something against you, well, Jesus gave us instructions in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. It says this, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, then leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Jesus is saying that it's more important to him that we reconcile with others in the church than that we worship him. That's the priority. We need to go to that person, admit our fault. Maybe we need to make some kind of an amends, and then we need to seek their forgiveness. Now, sometimes we have problems with what others are doing. We have something against someone else, and, and instead of gossiping about them, Jesus tells us how to resolve that in Matthew 18 verses 15 through 17. He says this, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, then take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. What's interesting about what Jesus has taught is that it doesn't matter what side of the issue you're on. Whether you have a problem with someone else or they have a problem with you, Jesus teaches us clearly that the onus is on us to bring peace. See, if you've, if you've taken our covenant partnership class, you've heard me talk about this before. At New City Church, we ask all of, our, all of our covenant partners to commit to making no bad reports. What that means is, if you don't have anything nice to say, and it doesn't need to be said, then you keep it to yourself. And when it does need to be said, then you say it to the right person at the right time and in the right way. Now, maybe you're, maybe you're hearing this this morning and, and maybe you're realizing that you have a tendency to gossip. I, I want to remind you that th there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and this sin, just like every other sin, has been covered by Jesus' blood and his work on the cross. 
my challenge to you this week is, is humble yourself. Find somebody that you trust, an MC leader or a discipleship group leader, a good friend or one of the elders, just somebody you trust, and confess your tendency to gossip. And then pray together and ask the Holy Spirit to bring healing and to give you the strength to overcome the temptation to gossip. I think some of us in this room have probably been the victim of gossip within the church at some point in our lives. And if that's you, if the pain is still there with you, maybe you're dealing with some resentment or unforgiveness. If, if that's you, first I just want to say I'm so sorry. So sorry that's happened to you. I know how that feels. I know it's difficult. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Jesus values you so much. And He wants you to be a part of His church. And I know it might be difficult for you to humble yourself and be the one who reaches out and tries to resolve the matter. But, but my challenge to you this week is that you pray and consider Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5. Maybe a good first step would be finding someone you trust, confessing your unforgiveness, and asking the Holy Spirit to bring healing in your relationships. Finally, to all of us here at New City Church, could, could we choose today to be a church that is committed to making the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4.29 our constant and faithful practice? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to all who hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank You. I thank You for the fact that You are the only one who can judge. I, I thank You that there's freedom in realizing that it's not up to me, it's not up to us in this room to bring change in people's lives or to fix this broken world that we live in. That's your job. Our job, Lord, is to disciple others and to extend grace and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Pray, Lord, your Spirit would fall upon us in a new way, that we would be committed to only speaking words that, that build others up in the eyes of others. Lord, uh, for those of us, myself included, who have gossiped, who have given in to that temptation. Lord, I, I pray You would forgive us. That You would give us a new conviction, a new heart to see others thrive. And in doing so, make this church a safe place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.